Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello and welcome to the 259th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Emhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkVlogger and I am joined tonight by my, really my mirror image uh, north of the border, Jeff Simmons, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. The only person I know that is excited and willing and likely also himself sending and receiving texts at five in the morning about the draft and about some rumor and some conversation because folks we are all in it is less than 48 hours away from the seahawks making what might be the most important draft decision of the franchises in the franchise's history I, I, i will talk about that a little bit i think there's a case to be made jeff that the number five pick in this draft will be the most important decision in franchise history. I'll talk about that more soon. Jeff, let's bring you in, man. How are you? How's life? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm excited. Uh, nervous. The Seahawks have never had a pick like this. And even just taking the Seahawks out, I think the draft's my favorite sports event of the year. I know people look at me like I'm, especially in Canada, people look at me like I'm completely insane when I say that. I know there's like NCAA March Madness the first day or week one of the NFL or Masters. All those are pretty good. But like, I can't think of an event where I wait for like three months, like counting down the days. And, and usually I'm just doing it because I, I, I like the implications of how it impacts the NFL, the fantasy, the gambling markets, all these kinds of things. And now, Last year, I remember I was terrified. The Seahawks hadn't had a good draft in like 10 years. They traded Russell and Bobby. I did not enjoy the buildup. I was even looking back at like so a lot of the stuff that was said. The fact that they had a normal pick, I remember I was almost in shock when they picked Charles Cross that it was normal. And this year just feels so different. I remember just, I watched with my brother and he, I was just like, I didn't say a word. I don't think I ever, because there's been so many years where they pick a guy and I have to Google him or we had the Creed Humphrey year where we were on together and the Jordan Brooks year where we were on together where <laughs> we were all miserable. So again, this is, there's so much to talk about. I'm, I'm so fired up that we're at draft week and these last couple of days are hard. I'm just so ready. I, I mean, having 
not just having 10 picks in this draft, not just having five picks in the top 83, but having two first round picks and one of those picks in the top five in a draft that has players that you need at positions, multiple positions that you need and some places depth in those positions. This is, this is like being able like, you know, winning a shopping spree and having that shopping spree be at Cartier. I don't know. Maybe that's too high end, but it is, this is a pretty good, I know a lot of people are crapping on this draft and I don't quite get it. I think it's maybe because there's not the, the top, top elite talent at the, the top of the draft. And maybe it only goes five deep of blue chip potential instead of 10 or 12 deep or something like that. As, as a typically cynical guy, maybe sorry, like not as optimistic about how these things work out. I am I am very bullish on all, a, a ton of different ways this can go for Seattle. And as I was explaining to Rachel, we were taking a walk today, my wife. I'm not just excited to get to the draft, Jeff, and see who they pick. But this is kind of feeling like this could be when the Seahawks become really fun again. And, and this team could really be on the upswing. And and it just like imagine past the draft if they have another exciting crew coming in all of a sudden i am interested in training camp i am interested in how this is all going to play out in a way that i don't think we've really felt for a while and you you really hit that and if you listen to like any national show right now when they get to like going through the top 10 or the way they talk about the seahawks roster is just really different they're, they're really highly regarded and typically in personnel and i kind of grew up getting into football through the personnel side but the rule of thought is it takes two drafts to turn a franchise around and the Seahawks entering last year's offseason had one of the bleakest roster situations. They were old. They didn't have a lot of good players. And then they crushed that draft out of the park. They crushed free agency. They've had another influx of talent in free agency this year. And that second draft in a row, and it's really what pushes the team. And if you get three, you can become a Super Bowl contender, but that, it's usually two that turn the teams around. And the Jets had that draft last year and they went from like unbearable and all of a sudden, and it was the Bengals, too. They got Burrow, and then they got Chase and Higgins. And they went from year one of Burrow, where they're 5-11. and 11. Next year, they're in the Super Bowl. It's that second draft, and the Seahawks have, I think, the second-best capital. And you're the only one I've seen tweet this, but the NFC is just – I think what makes the context is the Seahawks don't even just have an ascending roster that's getting better. The NFC is very open. And if you look at the AFC, it's like the chatter is like every court. Now Rodgers in the AFC. If you get through the AFC, you, you can't get by with a Geno Smith. You would not be able to survive in the AFC unless your roster is 2013 Seahawks. There are just too many good quarterbacks. The NFC, there's the Eagles, there's the Niners, and then who? Then the, the Seahawks are just in there. with the, the opportunity, we talked about this for years, Brady and Rodgers are going to leave soon. There's no good quarterbacks. And every quarterback has basically ended up in the AFC. So this draft... The hardest thing in football is to go from good to great, and the Seahawks have that chance. And that's that's why I agree with you. This is a massive, massive opportunity given the context. I am pulling up something here. Okay. Um, I agree with everything you said, although I feel like you're selling Geno Smith a little bit short. That's fair, but look, I, they got 
Burrow, Lawrence. Well, let me ask you this to see if you yeah. know this off the top of your head. Uh, who were the top five quarterbacks in passing touchdowns last year? And, and no particular order, and don't look it up. Just the no, best no. you can guess. I'd guess Mahomes. That's one. Allen. That's two. Uh, Hertz. No, Hertz missed a bunch of games, so it wouldn't be him. Nope. Hertz is actually uh, not even in the top 10. Yeah, he got hurt. I forgot about that. Burrow. Burrow's three. You hit Burrow. the top three, by the way. That's yeah. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. One, two, three. Trevor Lawrence. Good guess, but no. Hmm. Herbert. Good guess, but no. And Gino might have been up there. He is one of them. So yeah. Gino Smith, people forget this. Gino Smith threw 32 touchdowns last year. He was the only he was he led the NFC in passing touchdowns last year. The entire NFC. Yeah. Um, and that includes Aaron Rodgers, who had 26. Gino had 32. Kirk Cousins was behind him with 31. Um, but I mean, Geno Smith, I think Geno Smith has, has really continued to be underestimated by even Seahawks fans. Uh, yeah, fair. He had, I think, an excellent, excellent start to that year and then had a uh, less than excellent back half of the year. And then he had an excellent playoff game against the best defense in the NFL. And anyway, the reason I'm, I'm hampering, ham, hammering on this is we, we were talking about the best teams in the NFC. There's no question it's the 49ers and the Eagles. Like, there's no question, right? Yeah. The best quarterback in the NFC? I think you could make a case that Geno could end up being the best quarterback in the NFC next year. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, Geno. Dak started to dwindle a little bit. Purdy? I mean, really? Like, uh, Goff, like Purdy? I don't know. So, I, I mean... <laughs> I, I look at Geno Smith having get he did not he was in a co- quarterback competition last year he comes into this year knowing that job is his he is going to be able to he's been working with the receivers hopefully he's got a year in the offense I think people are sleeping I think he's got more upside so I, I'm I think you put a nice team around him you add some more talent to that mix you get a better interior offensive line you get you know, dual running backs and you, maybe you get that third receiving option. Come on, dude. I'm in. That should be fun. Um, but we will not talk more about Gino right now. Cause that's not, we have time, plenty of time for that. Another, uh, pod. I gotta ask, I gotta ask, man. Number five comes up right now. Who are you hoping the Seahawks like? Who's your heart set on? Who are you going to be most upset of about if they don't call his name? I've come around on this. I think it's Jalen Carter, and the way the draft is shaking out, Will Anderson's been my guy the whole process since he started, and his floor is just—he's the Baltimore Ravens used to have a thing. They just try to hit doubles in the first round. I've played for the team to draft like him, them for years. And the way the draft, depending on the one pick, there is a chance that Will Anderson does fall to five. So I would be thrilled with that scenario. But because of the edge rush depth and because of the Seahawks roster, I wouldn't be devastated if they passed on. 
And there's this like school of thought, like, well, he's not a Bosa, he's not a Miles Garrett. I, f- I find that kind of stupid. If he was a Bosa, Bosa went number two overall in the same draft. And that draft, the fifth overall pick was a linebacker, Devin White. Uh, Joey Bosa, no one number three. So if there was a Bosa in this draft, they wouldn't be available at five. So this needs to be stopped throwing out there some sort of knock on them. But to me, just every I, we've run so many of these mock draft simulators and we've run so many of these scenarios. I just find my drafts look so much stronger when I get Jalen Carter. And we talked about just like the interior defensive line all year last year. And Dramont Jones almost kind of gets forgotten about in this. And just the idea of pairing those two guys together. I think I said this the day we did a live reaction when he signed. The idea of pairing a guy like that and just creating a massive position of strength. If Carter hits and you have Jones and Carter in the middle of your defense, that just completely changes. You went from Shelby Harris and LJ Collier to that. And like you think about some of the best defensive lines over the years, and that's what they've had. And I know I love Will Anderson. I'd be thrilled if they drafted him. Thrilled. But I think the thing that excites me the most is if Jalen Carter hits, because I think a dominant defensive tackle duo like that, we saw it with like back in the day with Jacksonville with like CJ, oh, not someone Stroud and Henderson and some of the best defensive lines. You saw what the Giants did last year with Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. And this just completely changes the look of, and sets up the rest of the defense. And as much as I like Will Anderson, and I, I, a good edge rusher is not going to push this defensive line over the top. To me, that's what changes everything. Interesting. Well, so I want to make sure I'm hearing you right, Jeff. If if Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are available at five, who do you want the Seahawks to pick? Like as of yesterday, I said Will Anderson, but I think in the last 24 hours, I've changed my mind. And to me, I said this morning in our chat that if it's a dream scenario, I would be thrilled with both. Both would get an A grade from me. Uh, Will Anderson's obviously safer, but again, if I want to build the nastiest defensive line, I can imagine having those two defensive tackles in there. And again, it, it's it's such an interesting thing because John on his radio show talked about today of their schedule. They're meeting with Jody Allen and going through scenarios. And I think there's a lot of chatter that Pete is the guy who really, really wants Jalen Carter. And I think that meeting with Jody Allen is going to be crucial on that front see if that gets greenlit. And I just, I keep hearing Albert Breer mention the Jalen Carter thing. And I keep thinking about it. And I know off the field, it's horrifying, but if they take him and they, they greenlit his medical is like off the field evaluation to me, that's the most exciting scenario. So I'm in the same spot. I'm in the same spot. I've, you know, you've been much more steadfast and Willie Anderson. I think we've both, generally been on the board of if will anderson's there that's the home run uh there hasn't been nearly the roller coaster with will anderson it's i don't even think there's anything that you're anyone's down on him now about but after all of that i mean jeff i've been listening you too i'm sure i've been listening to a silly amount of draft podcast <laughs> from Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah to the PFF podcast to uh, listening to, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Hugh Millen for whatever you care about with Hugh, you've got 
guys that have been watching these players uh, in their various conferences. You've got, uh, I mean, go on and on. Um, then you read from Peter King. You read from, uh, uh, who was the other person you just mentioned? Um, Albert Breer. Albert Breer. Oh, also listen to Jim Nagy. Like, anyway, on and on and on and on. And there was a, uh, Mina Kimes had a great, great episode recently. And I can't remember that. I think it was uh, Deontay Jones, maybe is his name. I can't remember for sure. But he he was Deontay Lee, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, he was reviewing defensive players. The consistent thing I hear, Jeff, when I listen to people talk about all these players, and I'm not listening to one player. I'm just listening to them talk about all the players. Consistently. They say Jalen Carter is the most talented guy in this draft. Consistently, they say that this guy, you hear the tone and the voice of watching him play, and they're like, he does things that other guys just don't do. And he does so many things that you want your defensive tackle to do. And I mean, I was listening, I think it was, I think it was the Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah Move the Sticks episode yesterday where Bucky Brooks went on and on and on about like the Seahawks really just set up their entire off season, all the moves, Julian, Julian love moving Jamal Adams down, adding Bobby Wagner, adding Devin Bush, uh, adding Draymond Jones, you know, last year you throw in Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, all those pieces. It's like, there is one clear gaping hole in their plan. And it is just begging for them to add an interior defensive lineman. And both he and Daniel Jeremiah said, they went, they went through, and you heard this too. There haven't been that many trades in the top 10 in the last few years. They just haven't been. And the one guy they both said that moves the needle enough to be worth a trade in the top 10 was Jalen Carter. That that moved me. Like, like that stood me up in my in my seat. I, of course, I was jogging when I was listening to it. But what do you what did you do? You heard the same thing. What do you think about that? It's just the more people. I keep listening. I've been listening to like a ton. I'm listening to draft podcasts before bed every night in the morning. It's, it's just, and you put out a tweet on it last week. These great defensive tackles are just so hard to find. And it's a, for him, it's just, it's all about the off field evaluation and what, how the meeting went and the character stuff the scouts have done. But just on the field, if you listen to like Mina talk or any of these scouts talk, and you can just hear the joy in Daniel Jeremiah. Jeremiah was talking about they were watching like cutups of the draft, like he was getting ready of what he's going to see when everyone gets picked. And he said Carter's videos and Carter's clips just look completely different than anyone else in this draft. And again, Will Anderson, it's like hitting a drive right in the middle of the fairway. It's a, I think you know exactly what you're getting. It's clean. It's easy. And I'd be thrilled with that pick. But Jalen just has the all pro ceiling. And I don't know if Will does. And I think, and we, we talk about this a lot. The team does not have a lot of blue chip players. And there's a lot of good players. But who are the Seahawks all pro kind of guys? DK, we're hoping, hits that. He's got potential. He shows flashes. Tariq Woolen shows flashes. Charles Cross and Lucas were pretty good. Walker was pretty good, but they don't have that perennial all pro kind of guy. And I think Carter is the highest ceiling of any defensive player, maybe of any player in the draft. And just to hear the scouts, the old scouts, Bucky was a scout. Daniel Jeremiah was a scout. And 
way they talk about him and is just different. And again, I'd be so happy if it's one of those two guys because when we fell the fifth pick, it seemed like that dream was dead. And now it's just the possibility of getting one of those two after this whole season of tracking those guys to me would be so fun. Well, yeah, Emery Hunt's another guy. I listened to him on, I think it was a Ross Tucker podcast or something along those lines, talk about it. And he just talked about how every time, every time Jalen Hurts, oh, sorry, not Jalen Hurts, my God, Jalen Carter puts his hands on an SEC offensive lineman, you're seeing head snap back. You know, the, the, the power in his hands and how he's able to move guys is just, it's just different. And the other thing I heard really consistently, Jeff, We've talked about all of Jalen Carter's issues um, off the field primarily. We've also talked about does he have, does he love the game? Does he have effort issues? To, to a T, the people that I've heard talk about it in detail are like, I don't know where these questions are coming about about on field effort. I mean, the guy, the guy played as hard as they've seen anyone else play in between the lines. And Yes, he got rotated in and out, but so did every other, you know, uh, Georgia defensive lineman. It's part of how they play. I think there's more to it than that. But the point being is that I think the off-field stuff, of which is meaningful and considerable, started to blur into evaluations and narratives around his on-field effort. And I don't think there's as much there. And so if, if Jalen Carter... I would go as far as to say if he had not gone to his pro day, if he had opted out of that, or if it had gone differently, there'd be there'd be zero there. I think there'd be zero hesitation here. I really, I really believe that. As it stands, I gotta say, Jeff, there's one thing I'm starting to wonder about. Is he gonna be there at five? Is there a chance that he's a guy that ends up going at two or going at three? Do you think that's a potential possibility? I think it would have to take a pretty unique scenario. So basically, here's what I'm hearing. We'll go through it. One, I think we know is going to be Bryce Young. Two, I heard two is where the draft starts. And it's an interesting year because we don't know anything after two. But two, the, there's a lot of chatter to that C.J. Stroud did not get the grade on their evaluation system where they, they think he's good enough to be a number two pick. So – Lance Zerline, who's super connected in Houston, he nailed both their first-round picks last year, has been saying it's going to be Tyree Wilson. And I saw Peter Schrager say the same thing to that. There's a lot of ties in the front office and the coaching staff to Will Anderson. So it seems if unless ownership steps in, I don't think Carter's in play there. I think it's quarterback, one of those two defensive linemen. Three is Arizona, who is they got a for-sale sign. They're dying to get out. But like you said, I think the last three drafts, there hasn't been any trades in the top 10. Teams have not moved up. And unless you're grading CJ Stroud or someone's coming up for Will Anderson, which I don't know if they will, in such a. That leaves Arizona either. Someone's going to trade up for Stroud, I think. Or if they're stuck at three, a lot of the names you're hearing, which is maybe one of Wilson or Anderson, there was a rumor this week about Paris Johnson that came out that Kyler Murray's been pushing for him internally. That would be a stunner. There's been talk about Devin Witherspoon. There's no chatter on Jalen Carter right now, unless they're keeping that, unless they're keeping that secret for whatever reason. But I, you got a new GM, a new head coach. That's a tough pick, and that franchise is just like they have so much bad stuff off the field right now. They got, they got the, 
They're just so they have the worst PR in the league right now. They've got a kind of a goofy head coach who kind of fumbled his press conference last week. Come in and kind of take that guy as your first draft pick. I don't know if you've seen their depth chart. It's it's the worst team in the league right now. Yep. And so I think they're gonna if they can't get out of three, they're gonna do something safe. I think if their first pick is an organization, I think that's a Will Anderson. I think that's a Paris Johnson, something really, really safe, easy to sell. And then four, the Colts come and there's three quarterbacks that potentially are sitting there. If Stroud goes to three, there's still two. And there's rumors, there's been Levis chatter, there's been Richardson chatter. So I don't really see a Carter landing spot unless Arizona shocks someone. So it really does seem like Seattle is the start of his ceiling. Because you look at the other four teams, I don't see, unless someone comes up for Jalen Carter, which would be shocking. And like Philly moves from 10 to three to get Carter, which would obviously be a gut punch. But I see Seattle as the first option. Yeah, I hope that's true. <laughs> I hope that's true. I, I think depending on where Houston goes, since nobody seems to really know what they're going to do, if they are finding they want to take best defensive player on the board, it's possible that Jalen Carter's a guy for them. It's, I think that's possible. I think it's possible that Arizona, you know, Philadelphia roots defensive line being a priority. It's possible that they could go there. I agree that it is a bad decision. It would be a bad decision to bring a guy with the questions you've got around Jalen Carter into that organization in that situation. That does not seem like a good, good setup. Yeah. I think you're probably right. It's probably not going to happen, but it has crossed my mind that we've all just assumed that this guy who is so uniformly believed to be the probably most talented player in this draft is just going to be there at five. And that we also are saying that this draft is super hard to predict. There might be surprises. And those two things together make me a little bit nervous. Yeah. The weird, this year is so unpredictable. We know one and that's it. But the thing I just keep coming back to is Arizona has had such bad PR and there's so many concerns off the field. Another thing is, they want to put that guy in Scottsdale where there's a lot of nightlife. One of the things that somewhere like Seattle has been, I know Jeremiah was talking about this last night. There's concerns about sort of the, like the crowd he runs with and mm-hmm. not bring going from where he lives in Florida and where he was in Georgia, all the way across the country to Seattle where life's a little different. That might be more appealing to the Seahawks than putting him in Scottsdale making the number three overall salary and Evan knows about Scottsdale. Um, yeah. yeah. Evan can party with them, you know, and I see some of the, the chat comments of like, Oh, you like forgotten about the, the issues here and with, with Carter and all of a sudden he's perfect. I don't think that's it for either one of us, man. Like, do I think that there did I like what I saw when I watched Jalen Carter, especially in the, the game against Ohio state? No, I thought he was not that impressive. Did I like what I saw in the championship game? TCU? No, actually, I didn't really. Like, there's a couple plays, but for the most part, I was not that impressed with what I saw. I I see the potential issues with him as a player. Do I think that there are real issues? The fact that he showed up to his pro day overweight and that he didn't finish his drills. Is that a potential that this guy is going to not live up? to his talent in the NFL and be a, a player that just crashes and busts. 
Absolutely. Like, I think all of those things are still true, Jeff. What also has just become more and more clear to me is that there's a number of people who I do respect their point of view and, and on this stuff. And they have watched more of him than I have. I have not watched hundreds of hours of, of Jalen Carter tape and the, the way that they talk about him relative to other prospects, the way they talk about him relative to other defensive linemen that have been available in the past few years, the way they talked about him relative to all the other players in this draft. I, and then looking at what we already knew, which is the Seahawks desperately need elite talent and especially at the defensive tackle position. I don't think you can pass on it. I don't think, I think it's a bigger risk to not call his name Thursday night than it is to hand in the card with his name. That's where I've, that's where I've landed. That's where I felt when you put that pull out the other day and I would be terrified to pass on him and see him go to Philadelphia and just dominate. That would that would beat me up for years. And we've seen the Seahawks pass on. We've seen one player that Seahawks passed on a couple of years ago that we're still not quite over. And mm-hmm. they're still chasing that position. And, yeah, I'm interested that you've come around on him because you were actually – you were down on him pretty early. You, you saw the playoffs. You were on side of him as me and some of the other guys, and now it's almost flipped. That's pretty fascinating. I, I do think the off-field stuff is there. Like there are definitely questions. I've heard multiple questions about effort level. Uh, we I don't know if you've talked about conditioning. Conditioning's been a big issue with Carter. And but I'm not the one making the draft pick. You're not the one making the draft pick. If the Seahawks green light is off-field stuff, to me that's as good as a thing as I can get. And I'm not the one making the pick, so I don't have all the information. Everything on Carter off the field is not – I think Mina said it perfectly. She was on with Bob Condotti yesterday, and she said she doesn't have the she doesn't have the information to make that evaluation. So all you can evaluate is what we know, and that's his impact on the field. And to me, his impact is the highest ceiling of anyone, and that's what you really want out of the draft, and especially this draft where the Seahawks are going to get – the Seahawks might not be up here for 10 years. So – it's it's very exciting and just seeing the idea that I think that what's kind of turned me in the last 24 hours is just seeing that Pete's on board with it. And I know everyone's just I think the idea that P is willing to put them in the defense and I don't know if that's smoke, they don't know if there's a smoke screen or whatever, but if Pete is on board, like it gets me really, really excited about this pick because they talk so much about character and how much that impacted last year. And if Pete still is willing to go there, that's what's flipped me in the last 24 hours. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we should acknowledge there are, there's people out. Tom McShay has put out there multiple times that he's got multiple sources saying the Seahawks, that Carter's not going to be the pick there. And there's other folks that have that. I think they're there, depending on where you look, there's places saying, Hey, the consensus now is very clear that Carter's the pick for Seattle. And there's other places where you say, Hey, the consensus now is that the Carter is not the pick for Seattle. I don't believe that any of them know anything for the most part. Yeah. When people talk about sources, they're talking about often like second, third, fourth hand knowledge of what's going on in these places. And as you said, they're not going to be in the room for the Jody Allen conversation. Anything potentially could shift there. You don't know. I- I'm really just talking about the biggest chance for the Seahawks to become a much better team, a dangerous team this year going into the next couple of years 
is for them to get for Jalen Carter to be their pick and for Jalen Carter to work out. Doesn't mean it will happen, but that's just the case. And so let's do it. Let's use the key to the kingdom to try and try and take the crown, man. Let, let's, let's try to go all the way instead of being too safe. And I think it's also interesting to hear with, with Bucky Brooks. He's like, I don't know. Sorry. It was Jim Nagy. He was like, I, I don't understand why everyone keeps saying that Seattle needs an edge. They have Daryl yeah. Taylor and Uchenna Nuosu, both their edges had nine and a half sacks last year. And they have Boye Mafe, who the team's really high on. That was interesting to hear. And just as a reminder, I happen to still think they need some edge. I don't think Daryl Taylor's proven himself to be an every down kind of guy. But I think he's right. And I think we've talked about that too. Willie Anderson, although I think he is would be great to add, I don't know that Willie Anderson takes the Seahawks from a a six and a half team to an eight. I think he might take him from a six and a half to like maybe a seven and a half or a seven, depending on how that plays out. Yeah. And that's sort of my point of view. I found Nagy made a really, really good point. We were texting about this today, but Nagy was saying uh, he was on Softy's show yesterday and he was talking about, he seemed comfortable with the idea of Seattle taking Jalen Carter. And I don't know, again, I don't know if I've ever heard him make a outright prediction before. And I don't think he was predicting here, but, he talked about the impact of Jaron Reed, who was a guy that if yes. you, follow, you follow Jim Nagy on Twitter, that was a pick that Jim was really, really involved in. And listen, there are real concerns with Jaron Reed and what he is at this point of his career. And if you look at his film last year, it was not great. And we've argued about Jaron Reed for years in this podcast. <laughs> I'm blocked by him on Twitter for the record. Um, but Jaron Reed, if there's, he's known for – he's had some issues off the field. But in terms of like football character – Jaron Reed has a really, really good reputation with Nagy, and Nagy like loves the guy. And I think Pete Carroll made a very clear priority to bring him back once they lost Zach Allen in the free agent market. And he's a guy that I think that Nagy was saying would be a really, really good mentor for Jalen Carter. And I know people can make jokes because Reed will make, got suspended a couple of years ago and he had the domestic violence issue, which is nothing to joke about. But just in terms of like being a pro and preparing and Bobby Wagner and guys like that. And that was what Diggs and Sherman talked about. There's a lot of people in that bill. I never thought about the impact of Jaron Reed. Who's like known as a really, really good leader. Clint Hurt talked about, it. I think he went on Mike Duger's podcast, how devastated he was when they initially lost Reed because of his leadership skills inside the building and his professionalism. And I had never even considered that. And I don't know what kind of character Draymond Jones is. I don't, I think he's a younger guy. I don't know if he's renowned for being like a locker room leader. Yeah. So someone like Reed and Wagner, those could be really, really good influences for someone like Carter who needs probably learn how to be a professional, learn how, and that's why he gets tied to the Eagles so much because his buddy is Jordan Davis from Georgia is there and Kobe Dean is there. And I had never heard anyone make the Jaron Reed comparison. So that kind of made me raise my eyebrows a little bit. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. That <laughs> We've, we've talked about so many things I've forgotten, but I didn't know and, and didn't have the, the, the notion that Jaron Reed was a strong locker room leader. That wasn't something I kind of walked around with. And so it didn't even register to me to think about Jaron Reed being a factor here, but Jim Nagy very clearly said, if you want to have bring Jalen Carter into a position room with someone who's going to show him how to be a pro and how to, take this game seriously, Jaron Reed's the guy you want in that room. And like you said, Jim Nagy was pretty close to the, the Jaron Reed pick and was 
part of the organization when he was there. So he, I think he knows what he's talking about there. I, I thought that was surprising for sure. And an and interesting inside view, because as we all know, Jim Nagy and the Seahawks have history and they're, they're pretty close. So I, I think you got to trust a little bit um, what what he says on those on those pieces. So, Jeff, before we start turning to some patron questions, we've got a bunch tonight. We'll, we'll tackle those. And we've got more topics to cover here. Who knows how long we'll end up talking about all this stuff. Um, but I want to talk about quarterback for a second. And the, I think the most vocal group of Seahawks fans, on Twitter at least, are Anthony Richardson fans right now. I think they're, it's not quarterback in general. I don't hear like a lot of CJ Stroud. People are like, we got to draft. I mean, Evan certainly is, but like, I don't hear like a big, we got to take Stroud if he's there. I don't hear a lot of Will Levis love. I don't even hear a lot of Bryce Young love. Like not because, maybe because they don't think he'd be available. But I don't hear people banging down the door, hoping that somehow the CX could get Bryce Young. But. It's Anthony Richardson one, and then two would be maybe Hendon Hooker is probably the second, but people have some ideas about where he'll show up. Increasingly, increasingly, Jeff, it seems like there's a, a possibility the Seahawks could have someone like CJ Stroud and maybe Anthony Richardson available at five. One do you agree that that seems like something that could possibly happen? And two, if it does, does it change your answer at all for who you want the Seahawks to pick at five? Um, yeah. So if the Colts take Will Levis, which has been a big chatter around the NFL, but they're tied to all three of these quarterbacks, but there's been a lot of talk about Levis and the Colts. And no one trades up to three. I think both those guys are going to be on the board. And Evan's been praying for CJ Stroud for a while. And I was kind of laughing him off for a bit. I thought it was just super unlikely. I was just so convinced that Houston was going to take him at two. And that seems pretty unlikely at this point, unless that whole thing was a lie. But if the Colts go Levis and that turns out to be true, both those guys are going to be on the board. And yeah, it's something they, there's been a lot of media ties to Richardson. Uh, you're right. The, the, if you're just in here the last three months and, one of the things that's just so easy is just to get hooked on tantalizing upside. And that's Anthony Richardson. He just has the tools that he can do things that no other quarterback in the league has ever done. And we saw what Cam Newton's done. You've seen guys like Josh Allen. And if you're sitting here just dreaming about like dream prospects and freak athletes. I kind of get why people fall for Anthony Richardson, but like he is as much of a boomer bust prospect as you can ever imagine. So I get I get the upside, but that floor is low. And there, there are people in the media that are having trouble finding teams that like him, like they love to draft him. And the one name we keep hearing is the Seahawks, but C.J. Stroud to me is just like, if you're going to bet on a quarterback, I would much rather bet on a C.J. Stroud, to be honest. Just an accurate passer, a guy who's, who reads defense as well. Obviously the knocks on him is he kind of, He's had like the best receiving core in the league. Like they called him, but I personally would much would rate Stroud significantly higher than Richardson. And if it ends up being Stroud, I would still have Carter and Anderson ahead of them on my preference list. But I would have Stroud significantly higher than Richardson. 
but uh, every indication is Richardson's a guy that Sean and Pete could be interested in. And that again, could be smoke. We've been saying the whole time, me and you were both pretty against. I, I threw out that crazy number, that one podcast that I just thought the draft lined up for defense. So I'm not sitting here like hoping for Anthony Richardson. If they get him, it would be an exciting concept just to like sit here and dream about the possibility of having like the freakiest offense in the NFL. But it's just, we talked about the NFC before and it's wide open and you're not getting this pick until 2024, maybe 2025. That's a hard thing to swallow. It's a really hard thing to swallow. I get you're not in this position very often. I get the premium position of quarterback. And again, I think I'd be a lot more comfortable taking Richardson than you would, but I'm still much higher in getting one of these top of the line defensive players because they just haven't had it. And we talk about defense. Defense comes down to so much. So much of it just comes down to talent. And like you said, Gino, this very capable quarterback, I'm happy to give him a couple more years. And again, I think Evans made this point and I, I have agreed with him. If Pete and John do evaluate one of these guys like they evaluated Mahomes and Allen, if you remember when Mahomes and Allen were in the draft, they were very sketchy prospects. They were not clean looks. They were guys that a lot of teams laughed at the Bills when they drafted Josh Allen. So if they value one of these guys be worth that pick, I think I'd convince myself in two seconds. But going in, it's, I would have it. Stroud as my third option. Richardson, probably a lot lower down on my list. Yeah, there, there is also the other thing. I think it was Todd McShay said this is that he would be really, he's hearing that it'd be really surprising if the Seahawks don't exit the first round with the quarterback. Am I remembering? Was that McShay that said that? It was. And that's where that Hen and Hooker thing came out. And to me, that's the worst case draft scenario. I was barely on board with Hen and Hooker when he was supposed to be a third rounder. Yeah. And I wrote in my like senior board article, there was another executive that thought like, Okay, Hennon Hooker in the third round would make a lot of sense for Seattle. Him and Gino have similar stylistically. You can redshirt them. Third rounder, much more understandable. But like pick 20, which is what McShay was talking about. And I know there's been a lot of chatter he's going to go there. To me, that'd be close to an F pick. Uh, I would be pretty crushed by that. It's kind of amazing that we've kind of, the fifth pick's been getting so much chatter. We almost forgot about the 20th pick. But the opportunity cost of taking Hennon Hooker 20th overall. But I just don't think profiles as the top of the line quarterback. To me, like there's not a lot of quarterbacks like other than Aaron Rodgers that slipped to the 20s and have hit. So, and just he's an older prospect. He's coming off an ACL. He's been in kind of a goofy offense. Again, I wasn't comfortable with him in the second round. To put him at 20 would be close to an F grade for me. Yeah. Yeah. That report scares the shit out of me. I, I am really curious to see how the quarterback thing will play out for the Seahawks. I've been pretty clear. I've got, I've got a lot of money on the line. You've got a little money on the line that they are not going to draft a quarterback with that fifth pick. So we'll see how that plays out Thursday. I, I'll be surprised if they take a quarterback in the first two rounds. I really will. And one of the other things Jim Nagy said was he thinks that they're pretty high on Drew Locke and that he's pretty high on him and that he's still young enough. He's younger than some of the players. He's definitely from a Hendon hooker perspective. They're roughly the same and he sees a great athlete and I don't see it with drew lock. I mean, I know some people are enamored. I, I I'm not at all excited about drew lock. So that has nothing to do with it for me, but 
you put that together with the potential. I mean, Schneider has very clearly been pro Drew Locke. That has been very, very, very clear. Scouts like Drew Locke. He's got one of these, like, throws a really nice ball. He's got the tools. He's got the traits. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing coaches don't love Drew Locke. I'm guessing Nagy, he's kind of got a scout would fall in love with and think if he just gets better coaching, we can fix this guy. I'm with you. <laughs> well, uh, but you put it together, Jeff. If the GM really loves him, the scouting department loves him, they have a starter and Gino, and the Seahawks have picked exactly two quarterbacks in what is it, 13 years of drafts so far? I don't know that I see. <laughs> I don't know if I see the case that they're really going to use one of their top 83 picks, you know, like, you know, five picks in the top 83 on a quarterback. That, that seems like a stretch to me. Yeah. I'd be okay with one of the guys at five, but the hooker thing, like that scares, but I'll say this. I did a lot of research the other day on what people were saying about the Seahawks this time last year. There was so much chatter that the Seahawks were trying to trade up for Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter and Mina Kimes is one of the smartest football minds in the country. She went on ESPN and was pleading the Seahawks to take Malik Willis in the second round. And like, I'm not even knocking Mina. I understand the concept of where the Seahawks looked at quarterback at the time. Malik Willis is very poorly regarded in the league. Like I heard Mike Vrabel just like, can't, can't stand him. It's one of the reasons the GM got fired there other than the AJ Brown trade. And like, this, uh, people were pleading for them to take a third string quarterback that, and, like, people lose their minds. Last year, people were convinced the Seahawks were trading up for Desmond Ritter and Corral and Sam Howell. And I think when people – I think this just happens every year. We hear, like, there's going to be a guy at the end of the first round. Someone's going to trade up, and they go in the third round. Yeah. That could be Anthony Richardson this year. I don't think he's going to go in the third round. But I would not be shocked if Anthony Richardson – his floor is probably, like, Tennessee. Uh, but – I could see him dropping into the late first round. I don't think that's out of the realm. I, I, I think he's one of the guys that potentially NFL teams see very differently than fans and some of the experts, the draft experts. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I am. I've certainly put my money out there. I will admit that this notion that CJ Stroud could be available at five started for the first time to give me some question about, Ooh, are the Seahawks maybe like, I think Stroud Stroud for me is a clean enough evaluation. And I think highly likely much more likely to become a franchise pro bowl level quarterback. than I think a lot of the other guys in this draft, I can get it. Anthony Richardson for me is a lottery ticket. And I think the odds that he's ever going to be, I think there's a decent chance you could get someone who can move the ball through unorthodox plays out of structure plays and never have the refinement. People talk about accuracy issues with Anthony Richardson and they think that means like intermediate routes and timing. I think he's all right there. If you see him try to throw any touch passes under 10 yards or anything where he's trying to have any finesse on his throw, it's brutal, dude. It's it's not like, I mean, think about how much we talked about Russell with screen passes and how he could not throw them for his whole career. <laughs> this was this is worse. Like this is worse. And 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 so he's a guy that I think he has one speed on his throw. It's a fastball, and and I that's 
Trey Lance. Even if played sports, it that that like kind of touch and finesse that is hard to come by. That that is something that's just tough. And there's a lot of people just guessing and trying to hope that that'll come around. But I don't know. I, I think there's it, it is tough to play quarterback in the NFL if you don't have the ability to really uh, have that touch on short passes. So anyway, I I think Anthony Richardson, one of one athlete absolutely has i think a high floor in terms of being able to be a productive part of an offense can he be functional enough to be like the best one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl that's where i i mean i I don't even know if i put lamar jackson in that category yet lamar jackson is fantastic and has he been in a super bowl yet has he really come close to a super bowl on one playoff game so i don't know man I don't know. It's, yeah, I know AR, AR fans hate me. That's okay. We are allowed to have different points of view, but uh, in any mm-hmm. event, let's take some patron questions. And while we start getting those up here, Jeff, uh, if folks haven't already, give the show a like. And hey, Patreon.com/slash Hawkblogger. That is how you get these questions answered. Sign up, get immediate access to the Slack channel, and. We just gave our annual contribution a little early this year. Uh, we donated another $20,000 to Ben's fund, able to hand that directly to John and Tracy Schneider. Saw a bunch of other guys, saw KJ, Cliff, Walter, Doug. Doug and I talked for a while, caught up. A lot of the good, good folks there and doing a lot of good. Um, this is now over $260,000 that we have contributed to charity since we started. And we couldn't do it without everyone uh, on patreon.com slash hawkblogger, all the, the patrons that have joined and supported the show. You're helping a lot of families. It, it makes a really, really big difference. So thank you all for your support. And join now so you can get access to the Slack channel. Talk with everybody round the clock about this draft. It is a lot of fun. And you can ask questions that we will answer on the show. There are a lot tonight, so we will do our best to get through all of them. I will cut it off at some point so we can talk about some other things. So let's get started here, Jeff. You ready? Let's do this. All right. EM is the first person with a question and asks, if you could guess one player the Seahawks would trade up for, who would it be? At five? Uh, that is not specified. Let's say that they draft one of the defensive players at five, Will Anderson or Carter, and Anthony Richardson is slipping, and he's a guy that they considered. If he's someone that they thought is was in consideration at five, and he's slipping to like late in the teens or mid-teens, I think that would be worth I think that would be worth a move up for sure. And the other scenario, I would say, the second one to, would be if they take maybe two defensive players to start and one of the scenarios they were considering was the center. I could see them moving back into the first round and taking a third first rounder and maybe taking a Schmitz or a Tipman, moving up from 37. I'd say those are the two scenarios I see as move up. I love that. I love that. I'm going to come back to you with another one. This is from, I don't know how to pronounce the name. X-I-J-I-O. Zigio? Zigio? What are the odds that Tariq announces our draft choice on Twitter before the announcement is made during the draft? Do you understand why that would happen? 
No, so I'm missing there. So we don't, neither one of us understand that question. And I don't think the odds are particularly good as far as who knows, who knows the draft pick, you know, the, the teams just call directly down and someone hands that out. So I don't think the players know before most of the rest of us. No. There's oh, a couple I, guys in the media who usually get it early and spoil it, but. Someone's saying that he thinks that he meant digs because Quandre's always tweeting about stuff. Um, He's at the draft party, so. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he will know. Um, all right, Derek Woods asks, um, which pre-draft take has annoyed you the most? Well, let me think. That's a hard one. There's been a lot. I, Anything come to mind for you? I think that the 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 take that's probably annoyed me the most is that the Seahawks have to take a quarterback because they don't have a quarterback yet. Gino's not the guy. He's a he's a placeholder and he'll, you know, his contract is only for a year essentially and they'll bring in they need to they need their franchise quarterback. I think that is flat wrong. I think Gino, you're going to have a hard time finding a quarterback across the league that you're going to be in better shape with over the next three years. People are going to remember this. It's on record. They can show me, show this back to me and I can look really stupid if it turns out to be false. But I think, I think that is a really, really incorrect assessment of our quarterback situation. And I think it leads to incorrect assessments of how the Seahawks should approach the draft. That's, that's a fair. I'd say from the league perspective, I'm just kind of sick of hearing this running back thing every year. Like, <laughs> like the Bijan Robinson stuff. It's just like every day you hear the same conversation, you hear the same debate. And I'm sure Nathan would be yelling if he was on here. I mean, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm I'm just tired of it. How many times do we have to hear the same thing that running backs have no value and all this stuff? And I'm just I'm just a little tired of it. Um from the Seahawks, it's the Hen and Hooker stuff. I'm I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't understand how he's a first round pick all of a sudden. Uh, I just find that debate on him really, really, really annoying. And yeah, it's mostly been the Bijan one though. Like I just can't read the same thing over and over and over again. And there's one now on like tight ends and it's just like, my view is every draft is different. I don't like this idea that having a unified set of rules and this is like a very unique tight end draft. So I think all tight ends takes in the past don't necessarily apply to this draft. So I don't like using past precedents to decide draft picks. And last year, like we saw all these takes, like the Seahawks would never draft the pass protecting air raid tackle. Like I was talking about today. That was a consensus. I was terrified about that Trevor Penning guy last year. And the consensus in the media was there's no way Charles Cross would make it to nine. And we hear all this chatter. And then in the draft, we find out later John Schneider sweating out to get Charles Cross trying to trade up. So I don't like these ideas that like anything they've done in the past means they're going to do things in the future. All right. Derek Woods again asks, what would be your favorite day three pick for the Hawks to make? And for folks that don't know, day one is first round. Day two is second and third. Day three is all the rest. So fourth round and later. Jeff, for me, 
The first name that comes to mind is Dorian Thompson Robinson. As much as I've talked about quarterback, I love the Seahawks to take quarterback late in this draft that has a chance. DTR is exactly the kind of guy I'd want them to take late in this draft. He is super toolsy. He's a, he's a lottery ticket too, and probably has a much lower chance than Anthony Richardson of becoming something. But so what? If you get him in the fifth round, in the sixth round, I think that's a great gamble to take on a guy that could end up being a franchise quarterback if everything works out. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. And you've been you've been hiding for most of the process. Um, I'm going to come back to running back here. Um, day three is where the Seahawks probably should take a running back. They need one, potentially. I think they need two running backs. And I think the perfect guy to compare to pair up with a, a Kenneth Walker would be someone who plays a lot like Chris Carson. And Bijan Robinson's backup at Texas is named Roshan Johnson. Mm. And he's up number 101 on the PFF big board. So he's kind of that fringe. He might even go day two, but if he makes it to day three, I think a Carson style back and Danny Kelly was the first one to put pointing this out to me. We were talking one day and he said, just send me a clip. He said, look at this guy reminds me of Carson. And to pair that kind of runner who doesn't have much tread, he was Bijan's backup in college and Carson was a backup in college. And to pair that guy with kind of Kenneth Walker and add like a short yardage back. I think day three, that is where they need to get that number two back. I, don't know if they need to take it on day two. I'd like them to address other areas. And to me, that's a pick where you can get really, really good value. And like if you're taking an edge or a corner in day three, like those are a lot of tickets. You can, there's a lot of good running backs that come out of day three. So I think taking one there, especially a power back and where the Seahawks have done pretty well, I think that would excite me. Those are all great. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of guys and I'm for, I actually canceled my, my golf my tea time saturday morning so that i can uh it's gonna be beautiful here as well but i i want to see like dorian williams is another guy i've talked about a lot yeah garrett williams is another guy i've talked about a lot he's supposed to be back in july from his his acl so i think he's interesting man i think that, that that's gonna be eli ricks is a guy i think andrew Voorhees is a guy you know guards, guards there's a lot of guards that could work there yeah there's a anthony bradford's an interesting yeah. guy right so there's a lot of interesting guys later in this draft for sure. Um, okay. Eric asks, what is the single most important quality related to rookie success with the Seahawks, i.e. scheme fit, athleticism, culture fit. And based on that single criteria, what player or players should the Seahawks target? I, I don't know that there's a single trait. I, I mean, I, I think it really depends by position. It depends on where the Seahawks are. It depends on, what's who's surrounding them like are they going to have to start this room of talent are they going to like are they going to be in the safety room with with Diggs and jamal adams or are they going to be you know in the defensive line room are they going to be in the offensive line room where there's really no veterans right now I, talent i mean period is the most important trait like i, I there's nothing you, can, you can't coach talent and i know that's cliche but it's just the truth yeah there's no real number one trade or tie of some of the guys that hit. Cause like, if you look at profiles, like Tariq Woolen's profile was not a guy I would have ever imagined would hit the ground running in year one. He seemed like a total like ball of clay. You got to mold him. And then some of the guys that seem more pro ready have not hit at all. 
And there's been like Carson was a guy who just like instantly hit right away. Like Doug Baldwin could tell right away this guy is a stud. Um, like Cross and Lucas, those guys are air raid tackles. And an offensive tackle in general don't hit in year one typically. And they both had to play above interior. And if you, I don't know if you heard Gino on uh, Sherman's podcast, I was listening to him talk about those guys. It was really, really cool. So again, there's no profile that would have said that Woolen or those two guys. Running back is probably the one you'd expect to hit in year one, but. They've had mixed results on that. Penny took a while to get going. Uh, Walker obviously hit right away, but he didn't start until week six. Um, there's been pretty mixed. Chris and Michael didn't really hit year one mm-hmm. or year two or year three. But um, so, yeah, I don't see a tie. I think it's based on talent, position, availability, and who's ready to make the leap. That could be anything, anywhere. Yeah, for sure. And I I guess one I, to give this person uh, a little bit more, um, Eric, I guess is who asked. The way I look at it generally and then try to assess whether there are going to be fits for Seattle are one athletic talent. Like ha- what can they do physically that no one else can do or what level of athleticism do they have? Two, then I look at scheme fit and whether they make sense in the Seahawks system, whether they're like, there could be someone who's a super athletic guy who's just a tweener and doesn't make sense in a three, four, the way they're running right now. And so I don't really pay much attention to those guys. And then three would start getting into things like, um, actually before scheme fit it's athleticism. And then it's production on the field in college. Like had they actually translated that athleticism into any kind of production, I value the athleticism more than the production because I think production in college doesn't always translate to the NFL. Athleticism does. And so, you know, but I think those are the two things. And then I get into scheme fit and then I get into, okay, who is this person and do they have the right mental makeup? So that's kind of how I rank the, the traits, but I'm not a scout. So take that for what it's worth. All right. Marvin asks, what would have to happen for you to be disappointed with the first round, Jeff? What would have to happen for you to be disappointed? There have to be a couple of things. Um, I think a trade down from five where you end up with a non-premier player, unless you're getting that first round pick next year. Like I know we've talked about like the possibility of like getting Houston's first round pick at 12. Like say they move down to eight get a third round pick and then get like a Lucas Van Ness, a second tier defensive lineman or number one, or they pass on one of those blue chip guys. So there are scenarios where they can be upset. They had a history of taking guys that were way different than what the media graded them. And there was years where like, I didn't know Bruce Irvin or I didn't know much about LJ Collier. And they've taken guys that were just out of nowhere. So I think the number one thing, they have to take someone out of nowhere. Number two, I think, trading out of like the premier spots and coming away with like an okay player. And the big one for me would be Hedman Hooker at 20. I really, really down on that idea. And there's a couple of guys I'm conflicted about. Tyree Wilson's one I'm kind of conflicted about. I can see what they like and he might go too. So obviously it's not a crazy idea to take him at five, but I think I would just be a little less excited if any of those scenarios happen. I think I know your answer, but. What do you think is my answer? I think it's got to be a non-Stroud quarterback. Yeah, I mean, 
I would be generally disappointed if the first pick is a quarterback for sure. Um, I won't be crushed, but I think it, I think it's the wrong move. And I think the other thing for me would be, I mean, I, I can't get excited about Tyree Wilson yet. I, yeah. I, I'm trying and I, I get it uh, at five. It's hard for me. He's a guy that I could get excited about at 20 maybe, but honestly, even then, I'm more excited about guys like Will McDonald. I, I've been on on him for a little while. Nolan Smith, those kind of guys. I, I think they have really interesting fits for what the Seahawks need and don't really have a good fit for. Um, yeah, I think those would be some of the things that would... And then just typical, like if the Seahawks overdraft some... Yes. You know, they... I don't know. Will, know Levis, like, Will Levis at five, I'd be... <laughs> I'd be apoplectic. You would be. Um, be all right, let's keep moving on. All right, this is an important question, Jeff. This comes from Matt G. He asked if Real Hawk Talk had to trade Evan Hill for cap reasons. What? Which, which fan base would want to trade him? What, wait, which which fan base would you want to trade him to? And which of their journalists, tweeters, peanut gallery would you want in return as compensation? Ooh. It's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> Let me think of the standings here for a second. Like, obviously, the funniest idea would Evan, with the idea of Evan having to be a Niners fan, that would be the funniest scenario. But I, would, I couldn't do that to our friend. Um, let me look at a team that I think is tortured. Well, while you're thinking about that, I, I think the Niners one's a, a funny one, both because they would probably eat him alive. And <laughs> two, I think the person we would maybe want back would be like Grant Cohen, who <laughs> has been someone I've really despised for many years. And then over the last year, I find him hilarious. He he trashes the 49ers more than I do. And and so I really have enjoyed his his Twitter feed lately. Hmm, this is a hard one. I'm trying to think of like Evan always used to talk about how the Seahawks are the most cursed franchise. The Packers. Yeah. Packers would be yeah. a good, good answer. Would you want like who would we want from that fan base though? Like media back. Good do Aaron Nagler. Aaron Nagler's, yeah, he's a pretty entertaining guy, but he's, he's a bit of a homer. Um yeah. trying to think of just like a real is there any other journalist from another? I mean, Shield Capadia, you could get back. Maybe that Shield's great for you know Eagles. A really funny one would be trading Evan, making Evan be a Rams fan now, and while the franchise just goes to shit potentially, and Sean and then we get Mina Kimes back as yeah, we got Mina or Jordan Rodriguez, a really good journalist, and. Yeah. Yeah, if we can make Mina no longer a traitor, then we can make Evan not be able to have years. I like that. That's a good answer. Okay. This one's a long one. And I have no chance at all as, uh, at pronouncing this name. It is A C K C H Y U A L L Y. So you know who you are. And they ask in the. John Schneider, Pete Carroll era, which draft first round pick would you most wish we could have a do over? 
And just to give you an idea of which are the first round picks for the Seahawks during that era, 2010 was Russell Okung and doesn't show here, but it was also Earl. Earl. 2011 was James Carpenter. 2012 was Bruce, Bruce Irvin. 2013 was traded for Percy. 14 traded for traded down to P. Rich. That's yeah. what it says. 2015 traded for Jimmy Graham. 2016 Jermaine Effetti. 2017 traded down twice for Malik McDowell. 2018 Rashad Penny. 2019 L.J. Collier. 2020. Jordan Brooks, 2021, traded for Jamal Adams, and then 2022, Charles Cross. Who would you want most to do over? 2017. And if you followed me on Twitter, that was the year they took uh, Malik McDowell. Wasn't And this isn't because of Malik McDowell. If you want to like break my brain, go through the Seahawks draft that year and the amount of players they passed in that year. That was the George Kittle draft where they had four compensatory third picks and they took – all bums. It was like Darbo, Hill, um, Tedrick Thompson. But the frustrating part of that draft is TJ Watt was on the clock when he scored. <laughs> and we've been trying to find like a defensive end, like JJ Watt's brother has got the bloodlines and he's sitting there right there. And Seahawks had an older defensive line group and Frank Clark. And, and also that year, there was a lot of mock drafts giving them Ryan Ramchick and Ryan Ramchick was on the clock i think when they were yep. we both liked him we both liked him and they had to trade for Dwayne brown later and had to spend picks on other tackles and to end up with malik, trading down four times to get malik mcdowell and that was a draft where you could have come out with like watt and kittle and chris godwin and they end up drafting all those positions which was the frustrating part of that year even the safety they took a like, tedrick thompson like i think eddie jackson went like three picks later who's a pretty good player in chicago so that draft is the draft that just blows my brain. And TJ Watt is like blue chip defensive end. I talk about it all the time. It's so hard to get those guys. And the fact that we traded out of his slot or out of where he mm-hmm. could have been to get a guy who never played it down. And like a hammer ram chick. That, that draft kills me. I, I think that that's the easy. I think that's arguably the most disastrous pick in Seahawks history and I you know you can go back to Dan McGuire Rick Meyer I think the follow-on the knock-on effect of that not just the pick not just the fact that he never played a down not just the fact that opportunity cost of who you passed on but also the future moves you then made to trade for Sheldon Richardson uh and and all the other things that followed it was just a disaster so that one's an easy, easy answer. I do think that the trade for Jimmy Graham is close-ish. It's in, it's in the next realm for me. I think if the Seahawks had kept Max Unger, I think that they would have had a much better chance of returning to another Super Bowl than having made that trade. I think that was the beginning of the end for that era of Seahawks football and and a just really disastrous trade of of strength and toughness for finesse. And it just was not a Seahawks move at all. Um, all right, let's keep going. I will take a moment here. Uh, while Jeff tends to things. <laughs> if anyone was confused by my Twitter timeline yesterday, I, I want to address this. There was all the stories going on around Trey Lance and there's these funny things going on where John Lynch was, 
saying, well, yeah, Trey Lance is going to be on the 49ers next year. And, you know, we're not, we're not really fielding calls. And the, the, the clear implication in all that is the 49ers desperately would like someone to trade for Trey Lance and nobody's offering them anything of interest. So they're stuck with Trey Lance. And so I tweeted out a clearly fake tweet that John Schneider was quoted as saying that <laughs> Drew Locke is going to be a Seahawk next year uh, because not only do they think that he's great, but other teams are willing to trade draft capital to Seattle to make sure that Drew Locke stays in Seattle and off of their roster. I thought that was kind of funny. I also like not a huge Drew Locke fan, so uh, a little dig there. But the amount of people that read that and were like, what do you mean? I don't get it. Why would he say that? Why would they? That makes no sense. They wouldn't trade to keep him off there. I'm like, it's a joke, folks. It's a joke. When I tweeted last week that I was standing next to John, a picture of me and John and Tracy. P.S. I know who the Seahawks are going to draft. And I got all these responses. No, you don't. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I think we need to consider shifting our charitable donation to some place that helps people understand sarcasm uh, because I am sarcastic. That's going to continue. So anyway, uh, let's keep going here. Um, I appreciate that at least somebody found my tweets funny um it's not, it's not the first time too um i don't know if you remember before the 49ers game you made a tweet that like tim kawakami the one of the 49ers oh. you tweet something like the seahawks were going to curl up into a ball or something and he got so triggered that he like was going at you and he blocked you and then yeah i went at him being like you clearly missed the joke and he blocked me and called yeah. me out and like yeah so not the first time he is a special, special snowflake, Tim Kawakami. Um, anyway, uh, Tony in Montana asks, if you had your pick oh of any God. projected... Oh, we already did day three players, so we're going to skip this. Sorry, Tony. Already answered. Alexander asks, are the Seahawks going to re-sign Puna or Woods if their draft ball board falls unfavorably? Uh, I think there's a very good chance. I think there's a very good chance. The big question is, how do you make the money work? They still have a lot of work to do to get their cap figured out, but no tackles a position. They still need some pro depth at. Um, we're still not sure if they're running three, four or four, three next year. There's been chatter of both, but I think they would like to sign Puna. I think more so than woods uh, to play nose tackle. I know Pete had mentioned that, but they got to make the money work. There was talks that Puna wanted a lot of money and they don't have it. So after the draft is typically when you can get veterans back really, really cheap. And all the people who are freaking out about Woods, still so they can get him back. I don't know. I, I I'm I, Woods is fine if as long as he's healthy somehow. But I, I just I'm not interested in Puna. But that's just me. Um, all right. Mark Zuck asks, do you think this is Mark Zuckerberg? You know, is he is he a patron? <laughs> yes, he asks him. Uh, this is an interesting one, Jeff. So listen carefully. It's pick number five. Both Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are both on the board. The Hawks trade down two to three picks. What are you feeling at that moment? I lose my mind. I lose my mind. They have to go to seven and you have to hope that like the Raiders are coming up for a quarterback. 
and then the odds are good that one of them will be there. That would be the only – but if you go to eight or something and they move up for one of the other guys, oh, I think the only one would work if you knew the Raiders are taking a quarterback and you're guaranteeing one of them. But, oh, God, the idea of trading down and passing on both of them, I would be losing my mind. I it depend on the compensation. Most likely, I would be upset. But here's the thing that would give me some respite there, or some solace is a better word. If they weren't going to pick Jalen Carter, no matter what, they've decided they weren't going to do it. And they move down and they get meaningful compensation for doing it. And then they get a player like Nolan Smith, or maybe they get, you know, who knows? There's a few other players that could fit into that. Then I, I could wrap my head around it. I would be less upset in that scenario than if they stuck at five and picked, picked someone else. Um, How would you feel if they took Witherspoon at five? I, I wouldn't love it if they if those other guys were available and they passed on him to take Witherspoon. I wouldn't love it. I wouldn't be like pissed, but I wouldn't love it. No, that's a C. It's a C. C minus grade. Yeah. I, yeah. So it, it's a really, you know, man, it's going to be interesting come Thursday. All right. A few more questions here and then we'll go free flow. So uh, Faz, I love that. Faz, F-A-Z asks, uh, What's your go-to draft night food snack of choice? Do you have a go-to draft night? I typically end up getting like wings or some sort of barbecue. Uh, usually for the first night, it's some sort of barbecue meal and ribs, wings, pulled pork. And then I'll usually day two is for the more hardcore. I'll usually go with some pizza or something. So that's solid. I it sounds like a very like football typical football fair i think that makes good sense yeah night one's more of a party night two is like i want to lock in i don't uh guess like simple like pizza i like that i like that i have i do not have any go-tos so i i can't really participate i'll leave that one for jeff uh, imani uh waddell asks will you have any special guests come in and talk draft during or after as of right now, we do not have plans to do that. Partially because I think we're <laughs> we're going to be quite occupied in talking through what's going on. Here's how I think it's going to go down on Thursday, Jeff. We'll be lucky if if Evan actually shows up for the portion he's supposed to. <laughs> if he makes it to the fifth pick, which I think there's a decent chance he will, I think there is very little chance he will make it to the twentieth pick. Um, I hope he does maybe at least he'll drop off and come back, but I think that seems interesting to hope for that. So I think it's going to be a lot of Nathan and I, and then we may need to, you know, reach out, see if there's anyone else that wants to join the show. But, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's some need to take some, some time. I'm probably just gonna be talking to myself half the time and, and, uh, whoever's on the show at that point. So. I'm so jealous of you guys on the West Coast. I have to wait till eight o'clock for the draft to even start. Oof. You yeah. guys, five o'clock—that's prime. 
I know Nathan's taking the day off work, man. I, I have so much respect for that. I, I cannot. I thought it. about it, but then I think I'm going to lose my mind just sitting on my phone all day. I feel That's like I need thing. to get me through the day. I think work's actually helpful that day to some extent. So, um, okay. Matt D asks, uh, what do we have? Oh, wait, what do we draft first linebacker or wide receiver? And who would it be including I, not including JSN? I'm hoping wide receiver. I, I just don't like this linebacker class at all. There's a couple yeah. names like sure. If they took Trent Simpson at the end of the second round or Jack Campbell or any of those guys, I'd understand it, but I've been talking to you today. Like I haven't really dug into it even. I just don't really like the linebacker class. And I feel like it's being picked out of necessity rather than the best player. And I think there's like kind of a sweet spot for wide receivers. It's not a great wide receiver class. There's not a lot of super like wide receiver one potential guys like last year, but there's a lot of interesting third receiver types. And I thought 20 from a while for a while was a pivot point where you might be able to get the best of the that tier of receivers. But as we kind of go along, I know it's common in mock drafts. I think it's less, less likely it's going to happen. I see day two is where the Seahawks are going to take a receiver. I think linebacker is totally up in the air unless you consider like Will Anderson a linebacker. But I think like a guy like Jonathan Mingo or Josh Downs or Cedric Tillman, somewhere in there, I think round two, round three, I think that makes a lot of sense where you can probably use one of your second day two picks on receiver. I think linebackers, the right guy would have to fall. Yeah, I I don't know on this one. I, I think I lean a little towards the opposite direction because – I think that linebacker falls off a cliff pretty deeply. I, I don't think there's a lot of later round linebackers I'm interested in where, I don't know, depending on where, where a guy like um, Charlie Jones goes, which I mean, I know I've been beating on that drum, but he could be a fourth or fifth round guy and maybe even later. I'm, I'm interested in him. And so I'm kind of curious, but we'll see. I have this, I've been having this sneaking suspicion lately that Jalen Hyatt's going to end up as a Seahawk. And that would definitely be an earlier. How do you feel about that? I'm kind of, I'm kind of conflicted on that one. I don't love it. It's not because I'm like a big Jalen Hyatt fan, but I just, he fits this mold of the straight line, take the top off type of third receiver that the Seahawks tried to pick in the past that I, I don't know. There's just an instinct I have where I could see them deciding they want him as a quote factor uh, in their offense. And yeah. I think of him as kind of a one trick pony. So he's not yeah. my first choice. Yeah. I don't love it either. He reminds me a lot of Will Fuller who was on Houston a couple of years ago. I like Will Fuller though. I like Will Fuller very much. Will Fuller was a much more explosive version of him, Will Fuller was a first round pick, but I see like you have been saying this for years. I think with G and maybe with Russell, someone like Hyatt would have made a lot more sense. But I think the Seahawks have a need for that slot receiver that can quickly win and wins with route running. And we saw it with Doug, and we haven't really seen it since. Lockett can play in the slot, but I want that like kind of jitterbug wide receiver. And it's why I've liked Zay Flowers and JSN so much. Those have been my guys. And Charlie Jones is kind of that discount version of that or you can get him in the fourth or fifth round. So I think to complete this offense, I want that slot receiver. I don't mm -hmm. want the downfield one trick pony guy. I don't think that, I think that's too redundant of what they have already. Yeah. 
Agreed. All right. Uh, Gargam asks, there is so much talk of, quote, if Pete and John think it's a good pick, I will trust their judgment, unquote, around pick five. They are the same duo who took LJ Collier, Rashad Penny, and Jordan Brooks in the first round to a bunch of criticism. Did last year's draft make everything good in the world? No matter what, who they select, it will be good with you. No, no. It's been 10 years of awful drafts and one amazing one. And I don't like that line of thinking at all. Um, it drives me crazy. I'm a Raptors fan and I've become less and less than one over the last couple of years. But there's that line, same line of thinking, like the Raptors drafted all these guys and now they're starting to fall off a bit. Just trust the front office. They like they never get anything wrong. I, I just think that's like almost cult-like thinking. And I think every pick, think for yourself. I don't trust anything they do. I disagree with a ton of things that John and Pete do. And one draft does not wipe out years of head scratching ones. And hopefully last year was the start of a trend and maybe they're just built to pick higher in these rounds, but no, I'm not, I'm not there at all. Well, there's also, if people really had been tuning in and reading the blog and following Twitter and the show, at least since we've been doing it, they would know, at least if you've read my articles post-draft, I was a, I was a huge fan of what they did in 2010. I talked about Cam Chancellor as soon as he was picked. I talked about, um golden tape i mean I, I liked i liked what they did it wasn't like i had to wait to trust them 2011 came i liked what they did there 2012 came i liked it wasn't like they were doing stuff that didn't make sense to me and i was just having to be convinced they were making good picks that i actually happened in most cases agree with and you got to 2013 and when they picked Kristen Michael in the second round, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like that, that is a, that is a terrible use of a second round pick. So I, from my perspective, I think we've been pretty consistent about when we like their draft picks. We like, we tell you when we don't like their draft picks, we tell you we're not always right, but this isn't revisionist. It's never been a, Oh, I'm just going to assume they've got it figured out and we're wrong. I think that's been a broader fan base, point of view because there's been so many quote no name guys that worked out for them but Richard Sherman was the guy that I liked from his his what what he could be for the Seahawks I didn't think he was going to be what he became not <laughs> claiming that but I liked that pick the day it was made and I have it's on the blog you can go find exactly the day it was written so I don't know I, I don't I don't just trust that they're going to do the right thing I do have more hope based off the fact that they made a lot of picks based off of talent last year and best player versus overdrafting need. And I think that's been, that's something I've written about something we've talked about. You and I have talked about. And I think that if they are really going to like this year, the risk is they're going to overcorrect for Malik McDowell and miss the chance to draft the best player for them. So that's one of the tests for me is 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 this going to be the next cautionary tale there's a chance for number five to be great there's a chance for number five to be the next aaron curry to be you know the next just blown pick and so you know we'll have to see 
All right, let's keep going. A couple more here. Um, this comes from Z-Ray 2018. NFL sites comps the top cornerbacks to the following players. Which of these do you most agree with and which do you most disagree with? CJ Stroud is equivalent to Jared Goff. Bryce Young is equivalent to Drew Brees. Anthony Richardson is equivalent to Cam Newton. Will Levis is equivalent to Jay Cutler. Hendon Hooker is equivalent to Desmond Ritter. Who do I agree with and who do I disagree with? Is that the question? Who do you most agree with and who do you most disagree with? I'll jump out that CJ Stroud to Jared Goff. I don't like that at all. That's been a big comparison in the league, but I think Stroud's upside is definitely better. He is so much smarter than than Jared Goff. Yeah. He's a way better decision maker than Jared Goff. I'd say the Richardson to Newton one is pretty absurd. Um, if you compare the – I know playing style and stylistically you can see it, but they both essentially played one year in college. Cam Newton won the national champion – no, won the Heisman. I, he was like the best player in college football. He was – like he dominated at the SEC level. And Anthony Richardson struggled. So to compare that guy who was the number one overall pick to a guy – who didn't come close to Cam Newton's impact in the one year in college football. I think that's a pretty wild. I think the I also think Anthony Richardson, interestingly, is a way better passer than Cam Newton, at I least agree. mechanics wise. So I don't think it's like, hey, here's a a black athletic quarterback. Let's all compare yeah. him to another big black athletic. Like I I think that's a really lazy comp. I do too. The throwing style is totally different. The accuracy is different. The way they I think them. Anthony Richardson's more Josh Allen-ish. Like, yeah. I don't know. And I think the Levis-Cutler one's pretty good. <laughs> That's an int- I, I personally, I, I've I've thought of Bryce Young as, as a Drew Brees uh, type of player. Although I think Bryce Young is a little bit more out of structure um, than, than Drew Brees, but I think he's much more of a, a distributor of the ball. I don't think of him as having like the rocket arm, but I think he's he could be a, a Drew Brees like player. Okay, last question: Would any of you, any of us, trade up from twenty for Nolan Smith? I'm assuming it would take the twentieth pick, pick, and probably our later second rounder. Jeff, you know I like Nolan Smith, man. I do like Nolan Smith. I would not make that trade. I think. I just think that goes against a lot of draft, how you build a draft a lot of the way. I think that's a really risky way. If Nolan Smith doesn't hit, the opportunity cost of that is really dangerous. I think this team's in a position where having bites of the apple like that, having those five top 80 picks, I think is super valuable. So I don't think there's a huge difference to say between Nolan Smith and Will McDonald. And to me, giving up the ability to get one of those two guys, say you get Will McDonald instead plus, we get 50. I think that would be very, very risky. You know, part of me is like, yeah, do it. <laughs> and <laughs> that's the emotional part because I, I do really like Nolan Smith. And I think he's a great fit for what the Seahawks could use him for. But if you really imagine what, what is a, what is the perfect opportunity? What is, the most ideal outcome for a Nolan Smith. Like what is, what does he become in the ideal scenario? He becomes a a rotational outside linebacker with 
Daryl Taylor, Chenin Nuosu. He is a great run defender. He is good in coverage and he is good for, I don't know, seven to eight sacks in a season, um, which is great. I mean, that's super valuable, it's super valuable, but I don't know that that's worth giving up what's likely to be another starter in that second lat. Like the, the guys that we're talking about picking back in that second, that 52nd pick, Jeff. That's where you might be talking about a Joe Tipman. You might be ca- talking about a Cody Malk. You might be talking about um, Eva Vila, depending on how that plays out. Um, maybe the tight end, maybe receiver. All guys. I mean, maybe Julius Brent, depending on where yeah. that play. Like, there's just some really good players that you're talking about losing, and I don't think, I don't think it's worth trading up to lose. That yeah, idea. and I just think when I when I go through these mock drafts or scenarios, I find I like basically every player that goes from like thirty two to like sixty. Yes. Like I, every time I read a mock draft or like a two rounder, I'm just like, I want this guy, I want this guy, I want this guy. I'm, I come out from like fifteen to sixty. Like I mean, like yeah, a continuous list of guys that you want to so, have. I know, like that's the strength of the draft. You do not trade away your strength in numbers there. Yeah. I'm hoping they add a third second rounder somehow. Well, that's the thing, right? So I, I mentioned, I tweeted this way back, but the Seahawks go, they have essentially like 15 picks between their five and 20, between 20 and 37, between 37 and 52. It's all basically 15 picks apart. And then they have a 30 pick gap, 30 plus pick gap between. 52 and 83, right? That to me is where you start talking about trading up. If you can package, they're not going to take 10 players in this draft. I don't believe it. If you can package up got like some of your later picks and you can move somehow 83 up to the top half of the third round. I think that's a no brainer, no brainer. I think if you can move up, you know, your fourth round pick the Seahawks. I don't know if you like, I, I think I'm sure you did know this, but I didn't really realize it till I'd done enough seven, seven round mocks, Jeff, the fifth yeah. round, they have two picks that are like three picks apart. Yeah. From the, um, what was the corner's name? Weather, Witherspoon, like hello Witherspoon trade. Yeah. For Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. So I think one of those picks is going to be used, maybe both of them, but the, I think they are going to look to move up in the between in the second round or third round, I think you're going to see them try to add another, another pick there, or at least move that 83rd pick up. That's when I think you're going to see them do things. Um, but probably not as much before. Yeah. Well, thank you to the patrons. That was 22 questions that we answered. We went through all of them because we've, I know people are as excited as we are. And frankly, we're happy to talk about it all. Patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. Sign up now, get immediate access to the Slack channel, help us raise more money for charity for the show and uh, have a great time talking to people along the way. So um, thanks for that. Jeff, who is, who's like a guy that has really gained for you? Who, who's a guy, are there guys that are rising for you right now where you're just like, man, 
I don't know where it's going to fall, but I, man, I would love to see this guy in the Seahawks. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, there's definitely some of those guys. Um, I've been so focused on Schmitz at center. Mm-hmm. And I think Joe Tittman's a guy I've been a little more excited about, a little more open-minded to. Yep. I was really focused on him. But I think I'm more open. There's a bunch of guards that I've started to really, really get into. Cody Mouch is a good one. He can be just kind of a game changer at guard. I think there's a guy, Chandler Zavala from North Carolina State, who's a really interesting player. He's a guy who I think yes. he can be like a fourth round pick. He's moving up a bit. He's a guy I think like you put that guy at right guard with Phil Haynes, and that's a really, really strong position group there. And I, I really focused on turning this offensive line into a position of strength. Julius Brents is a guy that has been pretty good throughout the whole process, so I don't know if he fits. I'm trying to think of anyone else. Sam Laporta at tight end is another one I like. Uh, Darnell Washington's obviously the guy that me and you have been kind of targeting. But Laporta's a guy like Iowa tight ends have been really, really successful in the NFL. He had really, really bad quarterback play and he's a guy that like you saw with a lot of guys that have come out of Iowa, like they know how to block. They can hit the ground running. I focus on Musgrave and on Washington. He's a guy. Sam Laporta is a guy that intrigues me. I'm trying to think of anyone else that I'm missing. There's some guys that have gone the other way on. Um, yeah, anyone? How about you? Well, I had to bring Cody Mack on the screen because, I mean, <laughs> you don't want – if you don't want this guy on your team, I don't know what you're doing. This this guy, <laughs> he belongs on the Seahawks. I would be so excited if they end up dra- drafting Cody Mauk. Um, I think the the biggest gainers for me, I've talked about Nolan Smith. I've talked about Will McDonald for a while. That hasn't changed. Um, I. I I definitely have started to be you know more open to Joe Tipman. Um, you oh, Corey Trice is another guy we haven't really talked about. Corey Trice, I think some people know about, but this is a a cornerback. He's also six three two oh six. Um, he is. Uh, looking at PFF, he allowed one catch on 88 press snaps last year. He's an excellent press corner. I think, and he's got some amazing physical traits as well. So I, I think he's a, another guy that I've been kind of interested in. He's been jumping up the, the boards um, over time. So those are a couple guys. I mean, the thing that hasn't changed, Jeff, is like I want them to find a way to get Darnell Washington. I know they're not going to. I know they're not gonna, but man, that would be that would be a lot of fun. Um, I kind of brought up earlier this notion of is this the most important Seahawks pick, the fifth pick in Seahawks history? And we don't spend a ton of time on this, but I just want to bring up. I, I was looking at. I'll actually just share this screen because it might as well I'll just see the same things I'm seeing. Um, let me just do it this way. Whoops. Okay. Um, let's see if I can share this in a way that'll make sense. 
Okay, window, entire screen. There we go. All right. So you should be seeing this now. Okay. Um, so these are all the top 10 picks in Seahawks history. And I think I can even make it a little bit bigger for you. Um, so as you look across this, I think you have to talk about not only where the picks were, how early, but also what the opportunity cost was. Like if they picked wrong or right, what was the impact? Who else was available? And then also the state of the team at the time. What yeah. was at stake? So like you could talk about Rick Meyer, the second pick. That was that was the biggest pick in Seahawks history. But if you actually look at, um, I mean, first of all, the state of the team at that time, I it wasn't it wasn't a team that was on the rise or, or in a really great place to do something big. And you look at the opportunity cost. I mean, Marvin Jones, I don't think I mean, I, these are not guys, a couple pro bowlers, Willie Rofe, who went eighth, But like there wasn't another player that if they had picked that quarterback instead of this quarterback, they would have been great. So I don't think that's it. I'm kind of curious if any of these jump out to you as pivotal picks at the time in the franchise history and from an opportunity cost perspective where you're like, man, cause you look at the Aaron Curry pick. Um, yeah. And I remember that draft. Mark Sanchez, I think went next and, uh, you know, he the, did. The Mark Sanchez. How do I remember that? Um, I remember I that year I wanted Michael Crabb. Look at the all pros. Look at the all pros. Yeah. For that I really wanted Michael Crabtree that year, and looking back, that would have been horrible. There is one guy, Alex Mack, in the like, entire first round that we had an All Pro season. Yeah, wow. Well, Clay Matthews never had an All Pro season. Well, he did. Yeah, he's the one. Yeah, but like, who else were they going to pick? Where you're going to say like, yeah, that was going to be a huge benefit over Aaron Curry. Yeah, and it's hard to say that was the biggest draft in Seahawks history because they missed at the missed at the worst possible level, like complete whiff on that pick. And they ended up having the best era of Seahawks football in the history of the franchise. So obviously it wasn't that important. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. I think I think last year's up there because like where they were as a team and where things the direction were going and Pete and John's reputation were on the line. To come out and crush that pick, and I know the, the next picks were all pretty good, but a receiver or whatever, they all were receivers. If you end up without that left tackle and how just like how it set the franchise up, and if you take like Jordan Davis, I don't think people are talking about this team the way and just the way it set up the rest of the draft. I think last year was up there, but I think this year, just with the state of the franchise, where they are relative to the rest of the NFC. So last year was kind of house money the whole season. This is their chance to get great. And I can't think of any of those picks where it really impacted their ability to get great. I agree. I agree. Um, should we do a mock draft for old times? I think we have to do one to end the show. This is the... Okay. Let's Not do it. Like what, yeah, what simulator are you using? Well, we could do a couple if you want. Um, yeah, I, I, I did hear right. PFF has updated their big boards. So this might be a little different than what it's been. Okay. Let's um, see. ESPN's got one as well. You know, how many rounds you want to do? 
I'm down for four or five. Let's do a five round draft. This is... um, let's just do seven. We'll, we'll get through seven yeah, fast. Let's get ready. Let's do it. So let me zoom in here for folks. And uh, yeah, I wonder it. how much this is updated with all the newest rumors. So we're going to go pretty fast, but not turbo fast. We're going to see Bryce Young goes first, CJ Stroud, Jalen Carter. Is this an easy call? So it's not updated with the newest rumor. Uh, yeah, I would take Will Anderson. I think that's right. I have a little pause trade back thought, but I think that's right. See, Let's like move. this draft is screwy already. Smith and Jigbo in six. Ah, I will say Cansey, as much as I love him, I I am increasingly skeptical that, that he's a guy the Seahawks. I've been kind of hopeful, but now I just listen to Jim Nagy talk about the physical specifications they had for cornerbacks, forget defensive yeah. linemen. It just was like, yeah, I don't know, man. Someone's going to really have to convince them and pound the table, and I just don't know if they'll do it. Um, all right, so we're at 20. I mean, you already got edge, so, I mean, I'm excited about th th this guy. I don't yeah. think they're going to go mm -hmm. edge. There's been a lot of talk this about Deontay Banks to the Seahawks. Yeah, this is where I was going to say. This is where I'm conflicted because he seems like a great – prospect to take but i find every time i do one of these like julius brents is in there the next round and i feel like do i really need that corner at 20 i think i saw mina put out hers and it started jalen carter deontay Banks. so this might be a trade down Let's think about like what we think the seahawks will do here i think trade down is probably a, a really good bet let's i see would trade they're not going to trade to 35. I don't buy that. No. Maybe a 24, 23, 27. Let's, yeah, let's try let's try 25. Split the difference here. I mean, can we get 57? I mean, I think that seems unlikely. Let's no. trade 57 for you know, 123. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, I'll probably do that. All right, accepted. All right. So now we're back here. Dalton Kincaid's still available. Is that yeah. the play, man? I mean, if he's available this late. I think I'd still take Schmitz. Interesting. Interesting. He he has risen up this board. Yeah. That is one change. He was so low on this board, man. Yeah, he was like, I think that I'd be most disappointed if we come out without Schmitz. But how do you feel? I think from a value standpoint, it would be hard for them to pass on Kincaid this late. So, I yeah, mean, Kincaid would I, be Kincaid's the best player on the board. I think Zay Flowers is also a guy that is, is, would be a real consideration. I don't think Osiris Torrance, I don't think they'd go guard there. Um, I think we should go with Schmitz. I, I still think that they really like him, and I think that that could be the pick. But this is exactly why I like I moved Carter over Anderson because you you draft Carter with Will McDonald here or some of the other edges 
but I think it's very likely Will McDonald's on the board here. And I think it just cl- clears up that first two selections and you're, I think it makes so much sense. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. So we're going to go John Michael Schmitz here. We'll probably get a bad grade for that pick. Ah, screw him. Yep. Screw him. All right. Okay. This is where things are going to be new now. Oh, there goes Mazzy. Well, look who's moved up the board. Hey. I, I think we got to take him. <laughs> uh yeah i mean by the way sam laporta is skyrocketing a lot of people there's some people having him in the first round now um there is hendon hooker i don't oh, think either, him away. drew sanders i think is an option um there's cody see i, I would think about cody too but can you get him in the next pick I think, given the way this mock's going, I might try to roll the dice. I mean, we could trade down again. Mm-hmm. Do we, We've never really traded down from this pick. This is where I, I, I find myself stuck every time. I basically like every player on that list. Let's do this, so this dude. Let's, let's see. Like, It's only like seven picks different. Let's see if we can. Can we get? No, there's no pick. No. If we got... If we traded, I'd give up eighty-three. No, it's too give, much. What if we traded both of our fifths? Well, I still don't like it. I would do it. No, they they would. They give that fifty-five percent chance. Oh, yeah, I would do that. So we we move down seven spots. We get another third rounder. Essentially, let's try this. Let's try how this plays out. All right, they're gonna yeah. do it. We're gonna see how we feel about it. There goes right. Hooker. Okay, it's painful. It's painful. It happened. We did it. We got to stick with it. How do you feel here? We've never drafted from this spot. No. You could go Laporta. You could go Drew Sanders. You could go Cody. I kind of like Cody here. Let's do it. I agree. Let's do it. Let's let's get Cody. By the way, I also like Tuli. I like Tuli too. I think he might be the next pick though. All right, let's go Cody because I think he's hot commodity. I don't think he's gonna last as much. Drew Sanders, Adi Adi. Adi Adi goes. That's tough. Okay, but see, we're back up, right? So now we no, still have a chance, here. Laporta. We we still have a chance. We could bring Thule. We've we already got our center. Ken, Keanu Benton is a nice one here. That's right. He's he's a guy we haven't talked as much about. Big boy. Um, can play various spots here. Um so they so, still are pretty low on Tippmann here. I think Tippmann would definitely be gone in the Reels draft. Well, we've already got Schmitz. Yeah. We have to worry about that. I think that's the flaw of this. Oh, Julius Brents. Julius Brents. So our next pick is five picks away. So this is part of the beauty of what we've done. So mm-hmm. we could – Trenton Simpson's another name. So, wow. So There's a lot of choices here, dude. This is tough. This Do is we what go- I'm saying. Every time I go through these second-round mock drafts, I like Laporta. I like Thule. I like the centers. I like downs. I'm, I, I find myself needing second round picks. So we have got no one at defensive, interior defensive yeah, line. Yeah, I think we probably should take Brents or Benton. We haven't done enough on defense. Yeah, I agree. So who's the guy that we uh, think? What about Siaki Yaika? Where is he on here? He's he's pretty low down. He's he's farther down this list. Uh, he's really falling. Yeah. He's and I, I just don't think they'll take a player like him this high. I just no, don't. Man, people like that overshone guy in line. Um, I so I think 
I think Brents is the higher upside yeah, guy here. I think I'd go Brents here. All right, let's Brent's do that. Let's do that and see what happens. There he goes, Titman, Benton, Laporta goes down. Okay. So still could go Thule. We could go Thule. I think that probably makes sense because um Bill Anderson. The other the other option is Trenton Simpson because I have a little bit of concern from a yeah, linebacker. Which is not a bad option at all. We do not have yeah, many you know, like I think Trenton Simpson might be the pick here. There's also Dan Henley, um, man. But like, are we really gonna go the first two rounds without drafting a defensive, like a defensive yeah, lineman? Yeah. How do you not take Thule here? I think that's probably the yeah, pick. Right? I think Thule. You can get a linebacker later. Dorian. All right, Warner. let's do that. I mean, by the way, Zach Charbonnet is is like staring me in the face. But we're is. gonna ignore him. Don't do it. We'll get Roshan Johnson. We're gonna ignore him. Nathan's in my head, man. He's 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 somewhere listening. Okay, so we got Thule. I actually like this. I like how that's playing out. There goes Henley. Okay, there goes Charbonnet. There goes Mingo. Mingo lasted a long time. All right, now we're at seventy-five. Ooh, Zavala. We've already got we we got Brents right, so we don't need. We, we got, got a guard. We've got a center. Kobe Turner's an interesting name as well. Yeah, Michael Wilson. Um, there is Siaki. Like this could be a logical well, place. Yeah, and that Texas linebacker apparently is. Been... Oh, I don't know if I know this guy. This is who you're talking about. Yeah, he's a guy Lewis Riddick. I saw I was really high on him. Yeah interesting um i haven't i haven't i don't know anything about him um so that's cool uh after a dreadful okay so he it sounds like he had a bad year 21 yeah i don't think they would take him here though yeah do we we have not done linebacker yet we have not Ika still there ojomo still there right like garrett will well, yeah, yeah, carl brooks Carl Brooks might be the move. Yeah, here. Carl Brooks would be a good pick here. Dorian, I know I've been a big fan of. Um, Tyler Steen, we have a guard already. Zach Pickens, another one. Yeah. Dude, how do you not take Ika here? But... I know, right? I, ooh. Uh, I know. So we don't have that guy. I mean, Kobe Turner, we haven't talked about as much either. Um, he's a little bit like Thule. Um, yeah, that's what I will worry. It's kind of a little redundant. Yeah. Um, short arms. So probably not going to go this direction. He he's, he's got some, I think we need some size here. All right. Are we, are we going to go Ika man? I think so. I think I'd be very happy with him here. All right. Let's, All right. Pick coming. Let's do have We, we haven't done anything for receiver or tight end, right? No, it's going to be the next pick. Let's just make sure we know we're past it yeah. up here. Tank Dell. I'm okay. I'm not no, no tank Dell. I'm okay with Rasheed Rice, like passing him. Michael, yeah, Wilson, Michael Wilson, Marvin Mims, Tyler Scott's an interesting guy, but he might be a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think there's some numbers for receiver. And when's our next? Oh, so we got another pick coming up. Pretty see, this is the benefit of these moves that we've made. Is yeah. we don't have so to wait you take thirty. Ika, then you take the receiver next or the linebacker. All right, let's take Ika. Yeah, there. It's okay. All right, this is good. This All is right. good. Michael Wilson is there. Yeah, so that might be the pick, right? Um, Tyler Scott's another guy we haven't talked as much about. Um, he is a, 
like like interesting guy in terms of a slot player as a former running back um small small dude small dude for sure 5'10 177 young 21 um <laughs> i'm kind of curious if they have anything else on him but he's an interesting name so what are you thinking here man we've got we've got well let's just look at receiver let's look at tight end Jane Reed is a guy people like as the slot receiver. Schoonmaker is a guy people have talked about on the tight end side. Yeah. Parker Washington. I think I got to take her. Parker Washington. And Charlie Jones. He's got those. Charlie Jones, bro. Charlie Maybe we Jones. wait. Maybe we wait. That cunts. Do you know about cunts? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know about this guy, though? I, I just know he, he ripped up the combine. I mean, he's a freak. Yeah. Six seven two fifty five, like might not be at all talented as a football player. He might be the next Jameson Cons, <laughs> um, but freak athlete. All right, I here's where I am, and Jeff, I'm like, let's gamble to see if we can get Charlie Jones later. Yeah, where's our next pick? We don't pick for a while. So we gave up. Where do we pick next, man? I think we can get him later. Do we have any? <laughs> we give up our fifth round picks. Do we have any fourth round picks? Do we give up all our fourth round picks? I think we might have, dude. Um, yeah, it looks like we gave up. Our... <laughs> so all right, maybe we have to take Charlie Jones. Here. This is this is the challenge. Do we take um, Charlie Jones here and just overdraft him? That's what I would want to do. But where yeah, are you me at? Too. I like him. All right, let's. This is this is this is probably a little. Well, that's pretty crazy. No, I think it's too early. We gotta wait. Maybe we take Michael Wilson here. Yeah, maybe we can get both. Okay, let's take Michael Wilson here, and then we will see. Our next pick. Let's. We gotta fast forward this thing because my God, we're not picking for another year. Well, this would be a long wait. Oh, Carl Brooks, man, that would have been an interesting pick too. We, yeah, we, we left him. We left some meat on the board for sure. Oh, Charlie Jones went. No, well, damn so, it. Wow, we gave up our all our fourth and fifth round. <laughs> we really, this is the downside of all those moves we made. Look at how much we have to wait all the way to the sixth round and the end yeah, of the sixth round. John, is there's no way in hell John would ever do this. <laughs> DTR, oh, baby. So, there's those are few names I love here. I like Keith Mitchell. You know I like DTR, and I like Jared Clark. We got to take DTR. Stetson Bennett. Yeah. I, I I think that's the right pick, man. Kenny McIntosh is an interesting guy. But DTR, we got to take him. All right, let's take DTR. I'm so fascinated to see how this draft. I remember all the decisions. I feel like we, we got made. the entire second round. Um... What's our last pick? Running back? Last pick. Yeah, it's probably got to be running back or linebacker, right? Yeah. Um, I'll just die. Let's uh, let's take a look. Oh, Chris Rodriguez is an interesting guy. Linebacker. Ah, I love that pick. Yeah. Yeah, this guy is a freaking Mack truck. Yeah. Um, Runs in a straight line. He is like the Chris Carson yeah, kind of guy in this draft. Yeah, if we get him in the seventh round. I think that's a great pick, man. Yeah. Sorry. Right. 
All right, here we go. Let's see how this all plays out. I've we haven't done a draft like this, and all the mock drafts we've done, no. this one is unique. Let's see. They're gonna be like, "F you, dumbasses! How do you trade all?" Our defense players? looks awesome, though. All right, so let's scroll down and see what they gave us. B plus, you know, whatever. But here oh, is yeah. our all, Jeff. Nine players. Nine players. <laughs> you have got your offensive line of the future, which both of us. I think both of us sneakily feel like this is a key to this draft. If everything else goes wrong, if the fifth pick gets blown, if they still come out of it with a center and a guard that are create the young, great starting offensive line, that this draft will still be a success. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I love these two. I mean, yeah. talk about attitude and athleticism and just like nastiness. I love these two. Uh how do you feel about yeah, Will Anderson, Cooley, and Siaki? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's, I feel like I can use a little more size. Yep. A little more. It's where the Jalen Carter thing just works so well. But you got your 3-4 edge. You got your nose tackle. And then you got the, the edge off the 3-4 end. And then – you really hit on multiple spots and Thule's like a locker room leader kind of guy. He's like a dominant practice player. I think you really hit a lot of things there in the front. I don't think you have necessarily enough dominant players in the interior, but you got a lot better. I don't love that. We didn't come out with our tight end. Yeah. I'd say that's where I feel like we missed. I think the tight end wide receiver, I, I you know, there's folks that really like Michael Wilson. I, I can't say I'm like all the way there feels a little rich. I do like, I, I did really like having all these choices up here. I mean, yeah. I like these names, seeing these names, then honestly seeing some of the names we would have been picking in the fifth round. I mean, there's some painful passes, but yeah, not taking Darnell Washington and then ending up with Mooch. That's the one. Do you, how do you feel about that? What did we end up with? 75. We gave up our entire fifth round. I just love the idea of getting that right guard and center locked yeah. in. Like that makes that gives you the potential to have the best offensive line in the league. I think this is a sneaky sixth and seventh round. A plus. I think that's I think Rodriguez is a guy we haven't talked much about, but would be a home run seventh round pick. Yeah, I think your team got a lot better. Yeah. So if I mean, Anderson, this isn't my Sure. Sure. I I see that. I mean, I, I, I won't be disappointed if they get Will Anderson. That'd be crazy. I, my heart dropped a little bit when Jalen Carter's name was picked ahead. Yeah. I, I, I'll just, that's where I am. Right. Um, I think the John Michael Schmitz thing in the first round really affects, I mean, man, Jeff, this is the thing you've, you've brought it up a bunch of times tonight, but if you don't get Jalen Carter first, you are chasing defensive tackle the rest of this draft. Yeah. That's why I find every time I do one of these, there's just multiple edge guys that you can get. Ojalari is a guy they visited with Will mm -hmm. McDonald. I just think, listen, Will Anderson gets an A plus here. It's, a lot of people have him as the best player in the draft. And we're we're looking at this hall where we haven't even said a word about him. But I just think for the whole thing, the way it works out, and this is a deep edge class. And 
after Jalen Carter, there's no one really like him at all the rest of the draft. So I think it's just very obvious how well that Carter thing sets up the rest of the draft and what you can do with all those picks where you're not chasing a position. Uh, man, oh man, oh man. Let's just quick take one quick look at how this this first round played out. I think this is crazy. I don't know. No, how. That's, that lost that, me. That doesn't make any sense. No. Um, Devin Witherspoon that late seems a little crazy. I think that some of the tackles can end up invading the early part of that top 10. Yeah, um, I don't think Tyree's going to last 13. Years. I do think this is the sweet spot for Nolan Smith. So and... If they draft Tyree Wilson number two, then him and Nolan Smith make a ton of sense to pair it. Him and Anderson do not. They're kind of... Well, this is where I wonder, Jeff. I mean, I've talked with you about it. If if they don't, if they're not going to pick Jalen Carter, he's not available for some reason. And if someone like Stroud ends up falling, um, or someone that they love, trading from five to twelve, getting that first round pick for the Texans next year. Now the Texans have two first round picks next year. They have theirs and they have Cleveland's. You want theirs, right? If you can get their first round pick next year and you can go to 12 and you end up with Nolan Smith, I'm not sure that's the worst outcome. No, I think I think one of the if you can end up with Houston's first round pick next year, I think that's one of the best draft scenarios. Maybe the best draft scenario of anything. Because Houston's roster is bad. And yeah. they got a long way to go. I like their coach a lot. They're just kind of barren of talent. And I know everyone hates when we say the next draft, but you would end up with two first rounds this year, two first rounds next year. And Houston, we all had so much fun cheering for Denver this year. Imagine cheering against Houston where they're just yeah. barren of talent. And say they flop again and you end up with Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, holy shit. Right. Yeah, right. I think that might be the best draft scenario, to be honest. I would be a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, but that's how you build a winner. I think I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy. I think that they would very likely try to force the Cleveland first round pick on you. That one excited me a lot less. That's not as exciting for sure. But even there, Cleveland's, you know, I don't know that we've seen that they're gonna be great um this year and uh but still not the my highest hope but i i think it's a real possibility so um all right we've been on for a couple hours jeff anything else that we should be talking about anything else going through your mind uh that we need to talk about before since we won't get to talk draft night anything else on your mind well, what do you want at 20 we haven't really talked about that. It's kind of gone under the shadows because there's been such a heated debate on Twitter about five. What do, what's your ideal scenario? I wanted JSN for a while. That seems cooked in the water. So curious what you want there. Knowing that I want Jalen Carter at five, obviously depends on what happens at five affects it. But my idea, yeah. like my home run is Jalen Carter, or Will McDonald. Um, yeah. Alternatively, Nolan Smith. I don't think Nolan Smith is going to last that long. 
And I, if you get a Jalen Carter, then Will McDonald becomes to me, I think just going to say it again, dude, Will McDonald is a better pass rushing athlete. I'm not saying he's a better pass rusher, but he's a better pass rushing athlete than anyone else on the edge in this draft. As far as I'm concerned, he's better than Will Anderson. He's bendier. He can get around corners more. And the thing that I think people sleep on, people are like, ah, Will McDonald's super light. This guy played essentially like four tech. He played inside the tackle at times in Iowa. He was asked to do things that he should be outside the tackle. He should be essentially a nine tech kind of player or an outside linebacker. I think you put someone who's tough enough to play inside against guards and tackles at 240, who's putting on weight and already has the bendy skills and athleticism. You put him as a three, four outside linebacker. That guy is going to be good against taking on blocks. He's going to be good against um, the run. He is going to be a good, good pass rusher. I think this guy could be the guy that in a few years, people look back and they're like, how in the world could Will McDonald last into the twenties of this draft? That's mm-hmm. I, I'm, I really, really, really believe in this guy. I see people in the chat talking about Kalijah Kansi. They know how much I love him. I just don't know that I see the Seahawks, especially if they take Carter first. I just don't see the Seahawks going that direction. Um, even before Kansi, I think I'd want to see a center or I'd want to see a tight end potentially. Like those are some of the other positions that I feel like are premium opportunities in that first pick. All right, that's that first round. How about you? Um, yeah, I think McDonald's really interesting. He's a little older, but again, he's been he's, hasn't been used. It's such a rare thing where he was an interior lineman at 240 and at the senior bowl, which there's a lot of concerns from Seahawks fans about the senior bowl, but Will McDonald was like shot out of a can. They had a much better senior bowl last year. They pulled Abraham Lucas and uh, Tariq Woolen, and they had a much better year at the senior bowl. But yeah, Will McDonald's going to – Michael Mayer is a guy I've really, really liked. I don't mm-hmm. think that we're going to take him. I, I don't see the Seahawks doing it based on, on their history, but I think he's a really good guy to just change their dynamic uh, again. I, I I would be very, very on board with Zay Flowers. I don't think I don't think they'll take him either. But Zay Zay's a guy who I just think fits exactly what they need. I think he's an ascending player. Um. Nolan Smith it would be the dream if they end up with Jalen Carter. Uh, not only are they teammates, they know each other. I think his character is just off the charts. He's, he was the number one recruit in the country. Um, to put those two together, both Georgia guys, to me that's the dream. Uh, Mayor I really like. Um, I'm open to the center. I'm open to Schmitz. I know some people would absolutely. But I don't want to come out of this draft without a center and have Evan Brown play this year and them just be okay on the offensive line. I see – I see 20 as a spot to pivot to either one of the best receivers or tight ends or one of the edge guys. But I can find like Ojalari's a guy I, I, I'm interested in too, and he might be there at 37. Yep. So I think getting the best of something at 20, whether it's center, tight end, receiver, I think that's the idea that excites me. And whether if you go Will Anderson, you take Cansey at 20, that's a lot of juice coming to your team. So there's a lot of interesting guys. I'm so curious. That pick has almost gone under the radar for a lot of the Seahawks chatter. 
I got to ask you, and I know we're, we're way past uh, your, your bedtime here at this point, but the, the rumor that started today with the Reddit post, (laughs) right? So we were talking about this before we got on tonight, but talk to people about what happened there. And it's about Will Levis and it's about what's happened to his uh, in the betting markets where he's going to go. And, and I want to know, do you think there is any chance that it's accurate? Well, we once had a guy uh, named I love nude 69 uh, <laughs> go on KJR radio for a, a report to get back at the Seahawks. So you never know what could be out on there, but some name not absurd is, that but someone on reddit with pretty anonymous profile i think most people on reddit are pretty anonymous but posted a thing will levis is telling people that carolina's going to take him first and the betting markets (laughs) were like so heavy on bryce young it was like if you know about betting it was like minus 1800 basically which is like an absurd number you never see numbers like that other than like trevor lawrence andrew luck years and all of a sudden Will Levis shot had like incredibly low odds, shot up the betting market, and that one Reddit post caused Will Levis to become, I think, the second favorite now. And Bryce Young's numbers went down to, I think, at one point it went down from minus nineteen hundred to like minus a thousand, which is absurd. And the betting for like when you bet on games, Vegas has people like guys who like work the lines and they're insiders and they're like very like sharp sharp people the draft betting markets are not not like anytime there's a mock draft that comes out from like one of the national guys peter king jeremiah schrager when it's in the mock draft rapidly shifts betting markets and like one time i put a 50 dollars bet on someone and it shifted the odds just from that bet so to see someone from reddit kind of throw it out there i don't think there's any way everyone's just saying bryce young (laughs) hey take will levis that would be one of the craziest draft stories, especially because of the Reddit guy. I think that'd be the craziest draft pick in maybe the history of the NFL. And yeah. nah, I'm, it's got to be Bryce. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. All right. Last question, then I'll let you go. Tell me one thing that's going to happen draft night that's going to be shocking. What What's a prediction you've got? for it could be a guy that's going to go way higher than other people are thinking or a guy that's going to go way lower than what people are thinking what's what's a prediction you've got about a just shock on thursday night like this tyree wilson to two i think if it wasn't so reported that would have if that none of that stuff came out that would have blew people away i think that's very real uh, if you haven't been following the media, that might shock you when Tyree Wilson goes over Stroud and Will Anderson. I think there's a chance Bijan goes a lot higher than people think. Um, it's just a weird draft where there's not a lot of like superstars. Atlanta at eight, Philly at ten. Like someone could shock and take Bijan, and I think there's a possibility that one of the quarterbacks drops pretty far. And I don't know if that's Richardson. I don't know if that's Levis. Those are a couple ones. I'm trying to think that Paris Johnson thing going to three. That would have been uh, that ended up happening, and they, that wasn't leaked. That would have been one of the crazier reactions. I'm trying to think of one other one. The Hendon Hooker thing. I think Jameer Gibbs, the other running back from Alabama, is going to go in the first round. I think that's going to mm. shock 
I think it's going to shock some people, and I think Nathan and Derek are going to be very <laughs> either annoyed or they're going to laugh at it. But as long as it's not to Seattle, they'll be okay. No, no, Seattle. I don't think Seattle that works, but I think that guy's going to go in the first round. And I think a guy like Brian Brzee, I think he's going to drop a bit. He might I will tell you him. one thing I think is going to happen, Jeff. We've talked about it a little bit, but I will. I I think it's greater than 50-50 chance that Noah Fant will be traded by the Seahawks during the draft. Not necessarily day one, but I believe that not only do they see other opportunities in this draft, but from a cap situation, there's such an incentive for them to get his salary off their books this year to be able to clear space for other acquisitions that and there's good tight end options in this draft i think they're going to sell him for pennies on a dollar you might not get much it might be a conditional pick next year like it it may not be meaningful but i think noah fant has played his last game for the seahawks that's my fearless prediction it would make sense and we i think nathan brought it up in one of our older shows and it would really be a multiplying effect where they're all going to pay him next year to get rep pick and give you the ability to add defensive linemen like your boy Puna <laughs> or Woods. And that's Brian, that's probably where the money would go. Um, so I don't know if I feel about that, but there's not oh a lot of left in the free agent market. And they don't if it, if it went to uh, Shelby Harris, I could handle that. Shelby Harris is an option, which he's kind of just kind of fizzled, but no, it's Seahawks. I think all there. those guys are waiting until after the draft, you know, yeah, to find but there's out not much other than that. Like, Seahawks don't have a ton of needs. There's not a lot of positions in free agency where you're like, okay, they need it's not a lot of linebackers. There's no tight ends. So if you're getting rid of Fant, that's probably where the money's going. So, all right, dude, I could keep going, but I know how late it is for you. Let's let's wrap there. And and folks, if you haven't already, give the show a like. Click subscribe. Click the bell to get notified when we go live because. Who knows? Maybe something crazy will happen between now and the draft. Certainly after the draft starts, we will be live Thursday night starting at four o'clock Pacific time. That's at least the plan. And we will be doing pre-draft coverage all the way up until when the draft starts at five. We will be going through the draft live. It will be Evan Hill, myself, Nathan Ernst, at least. Um, We will look at see if there's other folks we choose to bring on or not we will talk you through every single pick you will see our reactions as they happen which have been pretty priceless over the years and often prescient so tune in go to patreon.com slash hawk blogger join right now get immediate access to the slack channel where you too can be part of the conversation not only then but now and all the time in between so patreon.com slash hawk blogger Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. Man, it has been a pleasure, uh, an honor, and a privilege to do all this pre-draft hype with you all the way up until I can't wait to talk to you after the draft uh, that first night. We will talk more and break it all down. A lot of interesting stuff ahead for us, my friend. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a good night. Go on.